What number is this, Chip? Zilch, 178, 7A in the house with Glenn Gretland and Mark Kleiner as we talk Dolan's Jones voice and heart. New from 7A and Monkey News. Okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. This is Mickey Dolans of the Monkeys, and you're listening to Zilch. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys right here. We've got the good stuff for you. Today, we're going to be talking about 7A's brand new release, Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Heart. And I'm going to call it a deluxe package. It's a two-disc set, and you'll hear all about it. It's the Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Heart album and the Dolan's Jones, Boyce Live in Japan album together. That's right. Only as 7A can bring it to you. But first, we have some monkeys news. Coming up is something very cool. If you are around Lahaitan, PA, on August 8th, the Mahoney Monkey Mania Monkeys Fan Event and Head on 35mm will be shown. That's right. Sunday, August 14th. And that is a very cool drive-in. It's 73 years old, and they have a projector that the, they've been running since 1947. So this is vintage, and you really can't get much more retro than this. They will be presenting Mahoney Monkey Mania on Sunday, August 14th, a celebration of the Prefab 4 on the big screen with rare 35mm screenings of two episodes of the classic 1966-1967 TV series. Those episodes will be... The Spy Who Came In From The Cool and Card Carrying Red Shoes, followed by the monkey surreal psychedelic feature film Head from 1968, and if time allows, your friendly neighborhood kidnappers may air as well. There will also be a live All Monkeys DJ set, a video introduction from monkeys-related luminaries, vendors, and authors of monkeys books, signings, and selling their works, and more. And I know my buddy Mick Lawless is probably going to be there. He will have a booth up there with a bunch of cool swag and monkey records, and he'll be giving away Monkey Mania Radio stickers. That's right, so check that out. Now check this out. The Monkeys TV episodes will be from their 1973 ABC Saturday Mornings rerun period that will include the original commercials for toys, cereals, and TV shows of that time. The gates will open at 6 p.m. on Sunday. The show starts at dusk. Advanced tickets are $8, tickets including an overnight pass to allow travelers to sleep in their vehicle or tent after the show are $16, and available at mahoningdrivein.ticketleet.com forward slash monkey mania. So that seems like it'll be a fun time to be had by all if you can get there. Check it out. It's something you can do cool on a nice summer's evening. 
And on August 27th, Mickey Dolans will be at the Hot Wheels Weekend, August 27th, Michigan. And here is Mickey Dolans to talk all about it. Hi, this is Mickey Dolans. I will be in Marysville, Michigan on August the 27th for the Hot Wheels Weekend Car Show in the Marysville Park Gazebo. I will be signing autographs, taking photos with fans from noon to 5 p.m. Hope you can stop by and say hello. For more information, check out MarysvilleHotWheelsWeekend.com. See you there. And then on September 24th and 25th, there is Mickey's RetroCon appearance. That's right. For those in the Philly area, the 10th anniversary of the RetroCon, it is coming September 24th and 25th to the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. And in addition to the 235 vendors selling their retro collectibles, there will be many special guests, panels, contests, cosplay, and more. You can even attend a special discussion with Mickey Dolans. But wait, there's more. You can also get your picture taken with Mickey and the Monkey Mobile. That's right. The iconic Monkey Mobile will be on display right next to Mickey's table and we are doing a contest one lucky member of zilch nation can win a pair of weekend passes to the event all you have to do is be entered to go to the zilch facebook page and share our post for this episode right here and each share gets you one entry into the drawing the winner will be announced on the zilch facebook page and you will be contacted with information on how to pick up your tickets and don't forget to look for our own sarah clark who will be there handing out zilch buttons as well if the good lord willing and the creek don't rise as they say if being a retro geek is your thing then retrocon 2022 is the place to go go to www.retrocons.com for more information and to buy tickets note for folks not from the area oaks pa is an hour away from philly so when you're looking to book a hotel do not look in philadelphia it'll be an expensive uh, schlep and it's not that close to the venue, so you really want to look for places in Oaks, PA, near the event. And here is Mickey Dolans to talk about the event right here. Hi, this is Mickey Dolans, and I will be at RetroCon on September the 24th and 25th in Oaks, PA, at the Greater Philly Expo Center. I'll be signing autographs, taking photos with the Monkey Mobile both Saturday and Sunday. I hope you have a chance to come out and say hello. For more information, please check out their website at RetroCons.com. See you there. Thank you, Mickey. And before we head into the main part of our show, I want to, with pride, play this ad from our own Sarah Clark. She started her own podcast, her own thing that she's doing. And Sarah's not going anywhere, but she is doing some stuff, and I could not be more proud to share this ad with you. We'll be back soon on the other end of this, right after this ad from Sarah Clark. Hey, Zilch Nation. Sarah Clark here. And I'd like to let you know about my new project, the Kind Leadership Challenge podcast, where I empower educational and library leaders to detox their organizations. My PhD in higher ed leadership, my experience coaching, consulting, and presenting to library leaders all over the world, and a 17-year career in libraries from the front desk to the dean's office taught me that leaders don't have to be perfect to build a better world. And now I want to share that same leadership lesson with all of you educators and librarians listening. And if you aren't a teacher or a librarian, please share this with a friend who is. Head on over to KindLeadershipChallenge.com or just type Kind Leadership Challenge into your podcast app. If nothing else, 
Check out episode 12 to learn how Ken and I handle the leadership challenge here at Zilch. Thanks in advance for checking out the show and stay kind now. Hey, citizens of the world, this is Andy Partridge of XTC. You're listening to my dulcet tones on Zilch. Thank you, Mr. Partridge. That was a great interview. We interviewed him uh, a couple years ago, but you can find that in the Zilch podcast stream, wherever you get your Zilch podcast. So without further ado or further ado, we're going to welcome Mark Kleiner and Glenn Gretlin from 7-8. I, I got mine in the mail. This this two-disc set is so amazing. You owe it to yourself. Treat yourself to get this as, as soon as you can. It is fantastic. So without further ado or further ado, here's my conversation with Glenn and Mark from the fabulous 7A Records. Now it's missing time with Davy Jones. There was an old lady who lived in a shoe. She had so many children that the census control androids from Sector 5 came and disassembled her. You guys ready? Yeah. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. And today your podcast is full of Dolan's, Jones, Boyce, and Hart. And we are joined by seven A's, Glenn Gretland and Mark Kleiner. Welcome back to Zilch, gentlemen. Hello there, Glenn. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mark? Excellent. Fantastic. This is one of those things that's even sweeter because it took so long to get here. Let us set the table a little bit about Dolan's Jones, Boyce, and Hart, because as weird as this is going to sound, for some Monkees fans, this might be the first time that they've ever heard of it. There is that core group of people that for them, the Monkees lasted this long and did this many records, and then they find out what? There's things called changes and presents and head and all that, and... So let's set the stage and talk a little bit about Dolan's, Jones, Boyce, and Hart. Dolan's, Jones, Boyce, and Hart, for those who do not know, and it's hard to believe that anybody that listens to this show would not know, was a supergroup. And really, really, when you think about it, it was one of the first supergroups, right? It consisted of the songwriting duo uh, Boyce and Hart, along with Mickey Dolan's and Davy Jones. Uh, Boyce and Hart, of course, had written many of the Monkees' biggest hits. Uh, we all know that. And the group existed for a short time in 1976. They did a lot of touring. They were on Bandstand, the Dinah Shore show. They toured Japan. They toured all over the United States. And they released one self-titled album back in 1976. So there we go. Dolan's Jones, Boyce, and Hart. It sounds more like a law firm than a rock band. I guess they were kind of picking off Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, and Pacoima. <laughs> I, sorry, that's not real. So this this was a project that was really hard to get done and get done correctly. Who wants to start, gentlemen? Where should we start? Uh, um, well, I mean, uh, Mark Kleiner has, has done an amazing, um, really long liner notes for this for this release and i think it's best if, if he if he sort of introduces how 
the audience Jones Boys and Heart came together in the mid 70s because um without revealing everything that's in the booklet he certainly knows the story better than anybody uh thanks glenn i in the mid 70s a meeting takes place actually there's a few meetings that take place between the four original monkeys about a possible reunion nothing comes from these gatherings and at some point christian de walden who's a friend of bobby hart's has uh, met with a promoter in Thailand who has made an offer for the monkeys to reunite. Bobby Hart calls up Mickey. Uh, Mickey says, yeah, well, it's probably not going to happen kind of thing. And somewhere along the line, the suggestion was made, well, why don't you get Mickey and Davey from the monkeys with Tommy and Bobby and put them together as the guys who sang them and the guys who wrote them. Dolan Jones, Boyce and Hart, uh, really came together as a failed attempt to get the four original monkeys back together. But it became its own sort of, um, you know, vehicle. And that's how we ended up. And the, the name Dolan Jones, Boyce and Hart only comes a little bit later in the game. Originally, the, the first show in St. Louis is, in fact, um, some of those first dates are billed as the monkeys. Um, the, the great golden hits of the monkey show starring the guys who sang them and the guys who wrote them. That's the, how the act is kind of uh, presented. And this was apparently Mickey who brought this to the table and he had a couple of years before done like a Ronco. It's on YouTube. You can see it. Uh, TV commercial for one of these great golden hits of yesteryear compilations and the exact title of which is in the liner notes. And I can't remember right now, but. I'm sure and the uh, and, and what then happens is that Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart they they get signed to Capitol Records to record a um, a self-titled studio album of new material um, and they then later release a live album from their tour of Japan and that is what we got here in this new um, is this new two CD two LP set we got the original um, studio album and the um, and the live album from Japan both from the uh, the master tapes. They've both been remastered from the master tapes. Um, and um, it's important to say that these albums have been unavailable and out of print for many years. And it was quite difficult for us to track down the original master tapes uh, because they've been presumed missing for at least 27 years. And um, to get those was a real, um, yeah, it was a real um, achievement, I think. And, and we couldn't have done it without the help of our friends from the Library of Congress. Um, the Library of Congress has actually been uh, really important in, in, in tracking down the masters and we couldn't have done that without them. So um, so thanks thanks to them. <laughs> the Library of Congress? Yeah, there's, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Now, what a lot of people may not know or may know, depending on uh, how deep you go into monkey minutiae, if you will, but for a lot of people, they may not know that the CD that was available for a while and what you're hearing on Spotify up till this release uh, has been from a needle drop from the vinyl record back from the seventies. Correct. That is correct. And what, what, <laughs> and this has been very frustrating. I mean, I, I have to, you know, I have to say that this has probably been the most difficult album to license, but these two albums have been most difficult albums to license um, in all the years I've been in the business, which is more than 20 years. Um, because first of all, um, they said they didn't have any masters. Then 
when Library of Congress and people that knew people came forward and said, we know where the masters are, uh, they still denied having them until finally one of the employees that work for Universal uh, that works in one of their vaults actually sent a picture saying, I'm sitting here with the master in my hand. And I was then able to send that picture to the UK office and said, look, you have got the master. Uh, is it possible to get it transferred? And but this is like, you know, <laughs> but but leading up to this is like a ton of emails and it's taken, you know, it's taken several years to get to this stage. So I'm just really pleased that we we're able to pull it through. And um, they're probably not. I mean, it's very unlikely they're going to change the masters on their Spotify or uh, YouTube version. But um, all the more reason for buying the, the CD or the LP, I guess. Correct. Or if you do get it, you know, like through Amazon or iTunes, make sure that you're, you know, let let the monkey buyer beware, right? That they get the 7A, the official, the real deal, uh, and not the uh, needle drop from the compact disc in 2005. Uh, now, there's a lot of publications uh, that have always kind of considered Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Hart to be a de facto's Monkeys reunion album because when we last left the Monkeys back in 1970s, they had recorded changes and only Mickey and, and Davey were on that album. And uh, so this is kind of almost an extension of that. And one weird thing that happened, uh, you know, a lot of Monkeys fans were upset about a project called The New Monkeys, right? But there were some dates that had advertised in newspapers and such that these were The New Monkeys back in 1976. So there's a bit of a mind flip for you, you know what I'm saying? But uh, here we are, Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Hart, and it, it seemed like they were into the project quite a lot. It seemed like they really were interested in this. Yeah, I mean, Mark, um, and I don't know if you want to mention this, Mark, you, you were at, at, at one point uh, planning to write a book on Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Hart, weren't you? Yeah, I was, I was writing a book in the year 2076, Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Hart and the Unmaking of America. And uh, I got a few chapters written. The preliminary chapters, one of which I fleshed out into liner notes for the first project that it was 7A, which was the Mickey Dolan's MGM Singles compilation. If you any listeners don't have it yet, pick it up in all available formats. I amassed a lot of interviews and a lot of research, and so I was really grateful to be able to parlay that into these liner notes, which um, kind of gives you the the story arc and some, you know, uh, tidbits from that story, interesting little facts. I mean, it's amazing that the different worlds that Dolan Jones' voice and heart rubs up against because being a Monkeys-related project, it's it's interwoven with so many different different stories. I don't think I mentioned the liner notes, but I'd ask Davey, you know, if they ever consider just doing something with Peter because the story goes that Peter felt kind of burned to be left out of it. And he claimed they hadn't, but he made the great comment, Crosby, Stills, and Not So Young, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. <laughs> they never uh, considered that. And the idea was just put to them, well, why not, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, why not put the, these two dyads together, Dolans and Jones with Boyce and Hart? And um, what was really interesting, too, is not only is it kind of a throwback to changes, but also the first Monkeys album, which was Tommy and Bobby producing much of it and using Mickey and Davey primarily. Um, so it kind of, you know, rekindles in 76, the spirit of 66 and that that first 
you know, monster hit Monkey's album. And it's Al Corey who signs them, but he signs uh, two Capitol Records, but he signs them as he's just on his way, unfortunately, out the door over to RSO. And when I asked him about, uh, I was able to, to interview Al Corey before he died and asked if he would ever have considered signing DJBH. And, you know, I was pretty amazed that he said, well, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in the sense that it seems like one of those great lost opportunities, you know, that uh, with the Bee Gees getting such a great resurgence at RSO in the mid 70s to, to imagine what it would have been like if DJBH had been given the opportunity to make their sophomore album, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's an it's an interesting thought. But by, by that time, I mean, OK, so the other piece about this, this 7A set is it's collecting the live Japan set with the studio album now now when djbh came together it was to tour uh the far east it was to do all these dates and in the meantime they set about doing some area some american shows and then from the success of those got capital records interested and ended up doing them the, the studio album and all that but it was really the goal of this whole thing at the beginning was to do this uh, Far East tour. That's where the promoters were. That's where the, the guaranteed dates were. That's what Christian DeWalden had uh, lined up. And in the meantime, they end up on this kind of circuitous path to the Far East that includes playing St. Louis and having this huge um, success at the, the debut concert and being kind of blown away and then getting other dates and TV appearances and the record deal. And by the time they get to the Far East, uh, the record is basically, you know, it's kind of dead in the water and, um, you know, things are kind of falling, kind of unraveling. So, uh, but, but that said, the band is rocking hard and, um, you know, that's all captured on on the live live recording. I mean, you, these guys have been road tested and, uh, you know, you get to hear all that really happening and uh you know mickey's broken his arm famously by this point so he's got the you know the cast on he's wearing all the weird screaming jay hawkins capes and stuff like that and tons of beaded necklaces and uh you know anyways that's that's part of what sets the tone for for the far eastern tour so yeah he was into doing that glam character that was kind of a an amalgamation of screaming jay hawkins alice cooper david bowie you know, it was it was that sort of thing that he was doing. Had a little bit of makeup on and just a wonderful blouse. It was it was beautiful. We've actually got some amazing pictures of that inside the CD booklet, because we were very fortunate that one of our Japanese friends, um, Jinichi Uruno, came forward and said, um, "I've got all these previously un unpublished pictures that you might be interested in," um, and that was working um, uh, that was working with Akira Suzuki as well. Uh, who's been a great help. Um, so uh, Genicio Runo was the original photographer for the Live in Japan album. So the pictures mm. that you see on that set were all taken by him. But the thing is, he had far more pictures. He had a lot more pictures that weren't published. And um, it was a real, um, you know, I was really happy that we were able to, to include um, quite a few of those inside the CD booklet. Um, by the way, it's the biggest booklet we've ever done. It's it's a 40-page color cd booklet um and we um I, I, it's actually the max we can fit inside the cd without it bursting so right. um <laughs> we crammed everything into it we could fantastic and uh as we have said this is uh you're not just getting 
the reissue of the Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart album, but you're also getting the concert in Japan. Now, they were both previously released. Uh, the concert in Japan was released in 1981. Almost, it, it. let me put it this way, it's just very hard to come by for a lot of us Monkees fans over here in the States. Uh, but one thing I'm very glad about is that the cover is no longer going to be them with their big heads in a tiny little airplane. I'm so happy that that has changed. <laughs> yeah, I have to. And, and uh, I actually know some of the people at Cherry Red Records. They're good friends. Uh, and I have to say, uh, even they will admit that that wasn't their finest hour, that cover. <laughs> That's a vamp on a Beatles. <laughs> yes. Isn't it uh, I'm the Walrus or something or some single? Yeah, it, it's kind of in that same vein or style. And let's kind of set this the table a little bit. Uh, people don't realize, like, now we have bands that are on their 60th anniversary or 50th anniversary tour. And that at the time, 10 years was like forever, right? So from 1966 to 1976, it was forever. The 60s became the first time that America could really soak in nostalgia. And this is why you had things like everybody from Rudy Valley coming back to the Marx Brothers, Laurel and Hardy, the Three Stooges. You might have things aired on TV that you hadn't seen for 10, 15 years or whatever. And then movies were coming and appearing on like your Saturday night movies and Friday night movies and things like that. So everything old was becoming new again. Public libraries were starting to... Uh, let old radio shows, you know, be, be lent out. And there were the, the, the beginning of the box set kind of happened because we would start seeing things like you mentioned, Mickey Dolan's doing the best of whatever, right? Uh, where you would have get these, this four deluxe set of the oldies. And I remember in my household, when we saw like splish splash, I was taking a bath and somebody saying, get all four of these for only nine ninety nine. It was a big thing in our house because that stuff had stopped being played on the radio, but now everything old was literally new again. And in that amount of time, at this point we were seeing the beach boys and the Beatles having hit singles again, from re-releases from the the 60s and then you had everything from Sean and Ah all that stuff so just kind of setting the stage that again this was the perfect time for the monkeys to try to do this right and by the monkeys at this point I mean the new monkeys which I mean Dolan's Jones Boyce and Hart if there was going to be a time this was it and they even did a promotional half an hour TV show that I believe was produced by the same people who did like Wheel of Fortune and all that, right? Well, I think I might be wrong, but I think Mickey produced the show uh, that that um, that half hour. Yes, yes, but what I'm saying is like it was put through their distribution channel, so you would see it like after Wheel of Fortune and things like that. So it was featured in that same thing. It was given that time because this was at the time where you like variety shows were a big thing in America. You know, Sonny and Cher, Donnie Marie. That could well be. But just going back to what you were saying about, uh, we mustn't forget that if you were, and, and this is in, in, in Mark's liner notes as well, it was actually quite tough being a 60s uh, act in the 70s. And um, you had to work twice as hard, basically, to make any money. So we, we mustn't forget that um, Dolan's Jones, Boys and Hart worked extremely hard uh, to the point where Boys and Hart were actually seen around town putting up posters to promote their own show. 
you know, that sort of dedication was actually needed to, you know, to um, to be able to get um, enough attention. I mean, I don't know if you want to expand on that, Mark, but uh, you you had something in, in the liner notes about yeah. uh, this booking agency who made them work ex- insanely hard, basically. Um, I mean, that's one of the interesting things is is there were these kind of two tiers. There was like the to 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 achieve the kind of Beach Boys resurgence that in '74 had been just huge, and that's Capitol Records as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and certainly the Beatles in America were were very uh, you know popular in the mid '70s, and you know all their solo stuff too was in you know, varying degrees. But you know the question was, would Dolan Jones, Boyce and Hart, would they uh, kind of rise up from? Uh, the the workaday oldie circuit, right? So they're playing these amusement parks. Tony Rico, who's this kind of legendary um, figure, who's booking them into these shows. And I spoke with Gary Lewis about because Gary Lewis did a show with DJBNH too, and and uh, Tony Rico was booking him as well. And there's one of uh, you know the horror stories from the Tony Rico bookings. In that's so Canada. funny. That, that's so funny that quote in, in the Tony. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, to, and Rico's booking a place called the Golden Banana, which is this strip club in Peabody, Massachusetts, where, um, you know, which kind of has the amusing tie into the monkeys and the Golden Banana. But they're playing a week of dates in between the strippers. Right. So this is and this is after the album's out. You know, so this is 1976. So I think I quote the Mel Torme line. It wasn't all velvet. Right. You know, the, the, the question was, would. DJBH kind of get to that, you know, kind of next level. And I remember Davey talking about this in the 90s about kind of, I don't know if it was exactly complaining, but, you know, the monkeys were, you know, not drawing the kind of ticket prices that the Who were, the Stones, right? That they were kind of, this was before good times, obviously, and, and all that. So, so you're right, Ken, in the sense that there was a lot of nostalgia moving around. There were a lot of opportunities, but there was also... Uh, to Glenn's point, there was also like just the the workaday oldie circuit kind of slog, and and DJBH kind of is 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 caught in between those two worlds and trying to certainly trying to fight for the brass ring, and uh, and it's you know I mean it's generally viewed commercially as a as a failure, mm-hmm. but artistically and and certainly for the fans i mean there's so much joy and 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 the album has so many highlights that i think we look back fondly on it i think this is what makes uh, mark's cd liner note so interesting because it talks about that fight and it talks about what was happening during that time and it, it's actually a story that uh, most people certainly most monkeys uh, fans wouldn't know and uh, there was a lot of stuff in there that was new to me i spoke to mickey on the phone and there was a lot of stuff that was new to him you know, he uh, and he was there <laughs> and he said, um, you know, I some of the Mark interviewed Bobby Hart and he said some of the stuff Bobby Hart said, um, I never knew. Mickey didn't know about it. So there's a lot of interesting stuff here. And it's I think and, you know, I, I'm obviously biased, but I have to say as a Monkees fan myself, I think this set is a must have for everybody, because not only do you get the music, you get this fantastic book that comes along with it. And it's also the fantastic colored vinyl. If you're a vinyl collector, this is one you're going to want to get. I am, of course, ordering both the CD and the vinyl because 
can, you know, it's just what I do. And, uh, <laughs> but it is such a beautiful piece of work that 7A has put together and crafted. And as always with everything, you guys make a deluxe set out of everything that you do. This one is no exception whatsoever. Another stellar 7A release. Uh, everything I've seen from it, it just looks fantastic. And, you know, it's weird if, if you look back at just who played on this album, right? Because uh, you've got Keith Allison, Henry Diltz did banjo on one track, correct? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yes. Yes, he did. So you got Mickey, Davey, Bobby, Tommy, uh, Henry Diltz, Chip Douglas on guitar. You've got Keith Allison on bass and guitar and, and just just all the just everyone else. It's this is really about as close as you could get to Monkey's 1966 done again without having Mike Peter and of course Don Kirshner. But that that wasn't that that was a reunion that never happened again. I mean just think it could have been Dolan's Jones, Boyce Hart and Kirshner. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> anyway, so good that that didn't work out. Well, there, there, there's a few other people like Louis Shelton plays yes, guitar, yes. you know, and you've got Bill Martin who wrote Door into Summer. He plays on there. Well, well, he wrote um, Moonfire, which is the side two yes. top track, which is which is absolutely fantastic, and and he also wrote the uh, comedic bits in between the songs, and and of course is later a, a writer of Elephant Parts. So he's, he's like really kind of this ubiquitous figure. Wrote all of your toys, you know, was around the first time and is around in Dolan Show's Voice and Heart, and uh, you know is is around, of course, with some of Nesmith stuff later on. So he, yeah, and Moonfire is is like such a great song, and there's such a cool story behind the song, and uh, you know, a great vocal performance. The piano, I think, I refer erroneously to three keyboardists. There are actually four at least. So. Um, but uh, I think this is Carboni on on Moonfire. Anyways, they're they're like as I referred to in the notes, the drummers for the drummer for Spinal Tap, and and that was a joke they they used to they, they didn't make the Spinal Tap joke at the time because it was pre Spinal Tap. But when they were reflecting after the fact, uh, Keith Allison told me that was you know that was how they would refer to it. And actually, the original Dolan Jones Voice and Heart. This is a, a, a line that wasn't in the notes, but. The original backup band, so like the principals, Keith Allison, Rick Tierney on bass, uh, Jerry Summers on drums, and Skip Edwards on piano. Keith reassembled those guys to, to back up Mickey Dolan's at an event in, um, I want to say, the late aughts or something like that. So uh, there, there was a reunion of the Dolan Jones Voice and Heart band with Mickey that took place. I don't have uh, so I can, I can verify that it was, I think it was a Christmas show or something like that. I'll have to go back in my notes, but yeah, super cool, super cool story. And, uh, and the one guy, Steve Johnson is the guy who plays on the Japan set who sounds fantastic. He's on the Fender Roads. I don't know what happened to him. He's one of the guys I, I think I interviewed all three of the others, but he's the one guy who's kind of the missing, you know, Dolan Jones voice and heart keyboard player. If anyone cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If we can just uh, just go back to Moonfire for a second, uh, because Bill Martin, uh, and I, this suddenly came back to me, a few years before Bill Martin passed away, uh, we were actually in touch with him, um, 7A, and this is this is how long we've actually been wanting to release this record. It goes back several years. Amazingly, Bill Martin had never heard the finished recording of Moonfire wow. until uh, we were in touch with him a couple of years before his passing. And we managed to we, we sent him 
uh, a digital file that he could listen to. But for some reason, he'd never heard it, which surprised me. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, now, this is something that I know the first time that you and I spoke, Glenn, I believe that we were talking about hoping to do this at some point. You know what I mean? That this would be a thing that would be able to be done. And time and time again, it just was met with uh, another closed road, right? Another closed door. Can I tell you what I actually did to make it happen? Sure. Uh, and it, it might sound it might sound really strange to some people, but what I did was um, Universal weren't answering their phones. Well, there was a receptionist, and I said, can I talk to the licensing department? And the phone went to voicemail all the time. So I, I left messages, and I, 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 I called every single day. I tried to call and leave a message, and nobody got back to me. And I thought, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep doing this until somebody eventually gets back to me. <laughs> and um, I think it was after about three or four weeks of trying nearly every single day, plus writing emails at the same time. I had, I did have the the, the email addresses um, that I, somebody finally must have either had enough of me or whatever, finally got back to me and said, "What do you want?" <laughs> and um, and that's really how it happened. So if if you don't, <laughs> if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't absolutely tried to call them every single day and bombard them with emails, this wouldn't have come through. But that was only, as I told you, the beginning of it. Then the master tape was a whole different scenario. Um, I know you know, that people with, kept insisting that there was no master tape anymore. Yes, we, we can license it to you, but we don't have the master. And that's what you know. And this is how the whole thing started. And somebody got in touch um, who uh, works for the Library of Congress, and he said, "I I used to be in mastering, and I know somebody who works for Universal in the U.S. in their vaults, and he says he's got the master tape in his hand." Uh, so, <laughs> which is weird that a guy would just be standing around holding it all this time. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the weirdest thing is, apparently, that master tape was on their system. So, you know, why would you say that you haven't got it when you do have it? But anyway, uh, I, I'm I'm thankful to Universal that they did license it right. to us in the end, and they did transfer it, and um, it's all come together nicely. And um, uh, but it hasn't been easy. Certainly hasn't been easy. Absolutely not. So let's talk a little bit about the packaging. Just kind of walk the the listener through it. What what can they expect from Seven A? So we pushed the boat out on this one. We we you we, we got uh, two two CDs, and um, if we start with the CD set, you got two CDs. Disc one is the uh, the studio album, and disc two is the concert in Japan. Both from the original masters. Both have been remastered, and um, they come in a nice. We call it a nice digi pack. Uh, pa- packaging where you kind of fold it out and you then have a 40-page CD booklet with lots of previously unseen pictures and Mark Kleiner's fabulous liner notes. And the vinyl version comes in a gatefold sleeve and is pressed on what is called um, quad-colored vinyl, which is basically a sort of, um, not four colors, but it's the, the vinyl is divided into four sections, if you like. So uh, it looks quite cool when it spins around on your turntable. It's um, LP1 is neon and black, green neon and black, and uh, LP2 is yellow and black. And it's a limited edition. We've only pressed uh, 2,000 of these LPs. And uh, if we ever are going to do a repressing, it wouldn't be on the same vinyl. So this is like a one-off. So if you want the fancy good looking one, as they say down south here, you need to uh, order this now. 2000 I can't imagine them sitting around 
for too much longer. Well, um, it's um, to me, I mean, again, I'm a fan and I've been a a fan for many, many years. And um, this is something that I always wanted to release. And I'm really pleased it came about. I was sitting here in my living room the other day listening to the vinyl. And it's just got such a nice, warm and rich sound to it that you just don't get anywhere else. I mean, and and I I was just over the moon because um, and I spoke to a few mastering guys about this. Um, I have got the original uh, LP that came out on Capitol, but I actually think this version sounds better than the original. And um, I can't explain why. Obviously, we have remastered it and we've done whatever we can. But uh, it's just got a nicer, sort of nice, warm, rich sound. And I hope everybody will agree when they listen to it. Fantastic. Uh, this is something we have wanted here for so long at Zilch. Uh, we've talked about it on the Facebook page over and over and over and over again. This is fantastic. Uh, where's the best place for people to order this? I know there's Amazon and Deep Discount. You want to hit them with the uh, the stuff there? There is an amazing opportunity to get it signed by Mickey, Mickey himself um, from MickeyDolans.com. He will ship worldwide and he'll, um, you know, I don't know what the timing is on it, but he, he certainly will sign every single copy himself. Other than that, you can, um, you can get it from DeepDiscount.com, which is the cheapest place in the States, or you can get it from, from Amazon. In the UK, there's a company called KeyMailRecords.com which is an independent shop that we always promote. But apart from that, it's also on Amazon. And it is, if you Google it, it is now, I I did the Googling the other day. If you Google the album, you'll find it in most territories now. It's on Amazon in Canada. it's uh, It's in Japan. I don't know about Australia yet. I can see it's on Amazon Australia, but it says currently unavailable. It will be there very soon. So this is very much a global release. It will be available everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say it was quite a thrill. We interviewed Wilson, who did the Tantamount of Trees and album not too long ago. And uh, that showed up here recently. And the month before that, we had the And the Hits Just Keep On Coming, the reissues of Tantamount and the Hits from Michael Nesmith. Uh, just fantastic packaging, the, the look of the the actual vinyl, the sound of both the vinyl and the CD, just great stuff all the way around. Uh, seriously, it's oh, thank you so much. Quite stunning when you see it. Seriously, it, 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 there's so few labels that take this kind of care with things that it just stands out so much. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think in, in the the case of the Nesmit uh, albums, the, the 50th anniversary editions, they. They have to be, you know, they have to be special. And as a fan myself, I want them to be special, you know. Um, so, again, we put everything into those that we could. And I'm grateful that Sony uh, licensed them to us. Mission accomplished. And, you know, it's got the bonus tracks and everything. Just like this has the, the Dolan's Jones Boys and Art has the live concert in Japan. Uh, this is something that's been out of our reach. So this is fantastic. I've always called you guys uh you know monkeys archaeologist in a way because you're bringing this stuff back and it is strange that there is a subsect of fans that only want like the first so many cold gems albums right but the careers of the monkeys and the people who made up the monkeys and that includes the people who also wrote those songs and stuff like that it just it just continued on and as somebody you know I, i'm just i'm just glad seven a is there to kind of get all of this assembled for us 
And we are getting new sort of followers and uh, on social media every day. We're getting quite a few from Japan at the moment, which is very encouraging. Um, and um, I think what you just mentioned, a lot of that is down to perhaps not knowing, not knowing what's out there. Because, for instance, the Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart recordings, uh, they've probably been out of, apart from that UK issue, they've probably been out of print for nearly 20 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that you can't really blame them for not not knowing about uh, the albums, and uh, we're trying to put them back out there to make everybody aware of them, and hopefully people will will pick up on them. Is it okay to talk a little bit about what happened after this album? What with the monkeys? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe Mark wants to expand. I mean, I don't know what. what... Well, a spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to come. So the last 46 years, Ken. Well, no, I'm talking about like, for example, on the tour, there was a time when uh, Peter Tork actually joined Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Hart for a guest appearance at Disneyland in July 4th, 1976, which when you think about and at, at this point, he's looking like Jesus Tork. You know what I mean? He's got the really long hair and the beard and all that. It's, and, and these guys are like looking all professional. And here's Peter looking like... Uh, you know, 1968 or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because of this, and I think around this time, Torque later reunited with Jones and Dolans at the studio for the recording of the Christmas is My Time of Year single, right. you know what I mean? So this was almost setting things in, you know, towards towards that happening, right? Yeah, well, that, that happened. Um, so so Torque shows up on July 4th, as you said, 76, Rick Tierney, uh, puts on one of the Disney costumes, I think it is, and he kind of walks around, gives Peter his bass, and uh, Peter's playing bass and and does does like the encore and stuff with them. And there's some acerbic comments from Peter in his uh, shelved autobiography about about the experience. But but you're right. Like after DJ B and H, uh, end of August '76, they they actually quite poetically, like the movie Head, they go back to where they started from again at uh, Six Flags Over America in Eureka, Missouri. And instead of playing one day and two shows, they play a whole week of shows. And uh, that really is. Uh, this is after the Far East tour. So in between Peter's appearance on July 4th. And the end of August, when they go back to Six Flags, they do the Far East, and then uh, the poetically and Dolan's Jones' voice and heart as they began. Then, at some point, Chip Douglas assembles Davy and Mickey along with Peter in the studio. Uh, Peter's uh, Christmas is my time of year. Peter is playing organ, I believe, B3 organ on it. He was to do a piano overdub, but he told me that uh, Chip had run out of money, and so that never happened. But this is an interesting story for you that um, Chip actually went to the school where Peter was teaching with a portable recorder, had a a reel-to-reel recorder to get Peter to record a song called Christmas at the Isthmus. So like the Isthmus of South America. Am I saying that right? This was a Peter Tork song that he recorded uh, live to tape that Chip was recording. And then as Chip is recording the song in the school... After hours, where Peter was teaching in 76, he realized, oh shit, this is the tape with Davy singing White Christmas on it. And he stops just in time before it kicks in. Wow. That's the beat <laughs> if, if you've heard the White Christmas 76 version, you know this is like the perfect Davy's drinking some whiskey. He's got that total 
Frank Sinatra, don't give a rip in the world. It's it's kind of that jaded nonchalance. It's a beautiful, non-forced, it's just one of those magical vocal moments. And Chip, being the great producer he is, knew that, but he'd also forgotten that that same tape that he's recording Christmas at the Isthmus with Peter at the school, uh, it's the same, same reel. So that Christmas at the Isthmus is still in Chip's uh, possession somewhere, but it never came out. So there is that third song recorded for these Christmas sessions. And then Christmas is My Time of Year, which is a Howard Kalin, Chip Douglas co-write uh, that had been recorded in the 60s. Uh, I think the Christmas Cheer or something it's released as. It's a great Christmas song. Anyways, that happens immediately after. Mickey takes it to Clive Davis at Arista to try and get a, a deal. And Clive uh, passes on it and ends up that it gets released as a fan club only single through Larry White, Davies at the time, personal manager, operates a P.O. box, and basically they sell it through this P.O. box in, out of L.A., and um, then later Chip represses it because he owns the recording, so he can do his own pressing of it on Christmas records, and so there's a picture sleeve version that uh, happens. That's the famous shot of the three, three keys uh, in Mickey's basement, I believe it is, where Peter's got the you know, the, you know, spliff of freedom in his, his fingers. That was taken by Norman Seif, who's the photographer of Hot Shots, the book. And, and there's another famous shot with Davey pulling his pants down. That's the one that's in the Hot Shots book. Now, Norman has other shots from that session. I've seen one of them. I had it on an old email. And uh, he's, uh, hopefully he'll issue some of those great photos someday of that three-way monkey reunion but the, those shots i should mention that that chip later puts on the christmas is my time of year picture sleeve reissue that came out in 88 that session was from 74 so that's pre-dgbh that's uh the hot shots book well i'm going to i'm going to go a little bit more in that direction for the kiss listeners because the uh, podcast pays for zilch for those of you who are fans of both bands norman sheaf also filmed the uh hotter than hell album cover so that notorious whole setup that was norman sheaf as well so that's amazing the worlds continue to bleed that was the one time paul stanley got drunk was yes yes for hotter than hell yes and they had to lock him into a car to save him and and the one time peter tork got stoned <laughs> yeah, sure. When you're listening to the studio album, track two, I Love You and I'm Glad That I Said It, uh, the second single from the DJBH record, you will hear the uncredited background vocals along with the Dolan Jones Boyce and Heart guys of Myrna Matthews and Carolyn Willis. Their names did not appear on the credits originally. Ron Hicklin brought them in to sing, but they're also known as two-thirds of the Space Angels from that Battlestar Galactica episode. Oh, wow. The Space Angels themselves. <laughs> two of the three Space Angels are singing on the Dolan Jones Boys and Heart album. So if that doesn't make you want to run out and buy it, if you haven't already, get on Mickey's site, get your signed copy. Although I, I should mention, I, if you want it signed by the Space Angels, you're going to have to look up uh, Myrna and Carolyn yourself. See, this is what I was talking about. The, I mean, the, Mark's liner notes in in this, uh, both on the on the uh, the vinyl, but also certainly in the CD booklet, are just absolutely amazing, and they're full of this sort of detail that you just wouldn't get anywhere else. They're done in such detail that 
if you think you know the monkeys and you think you know the guys, uh, you don't until you read this note, basically. Agreed. forward to reading that 40-page booklet. Folks, I cannot encourage you enough to pick up from 7A, it's just any of their releases, but this is going to be another great one, part of the Summer of 7A, or 7A Brings the Summer. That's right. We've we've got the Nesmus releases, we've got uh, Mickey Dolan's Demo I Sell, and now this, and more is coming. Yeah, we got um, we got a busy year, and we got um, so the Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart is released on the fifteenth um, of July in the US, eighth of July in the UK. So um, they're coming out very soon, and that's going to be followed up one month later uh, in August by uh, Mickey Dolan's Tim Oisel album. Fantastic, and there's more, but I'm not. I'm going to take it easy on you this time, Glenn. That's all right, Ken. <laughs> Maybe uh, we, we, we shouldn't forget about the single, though. No, we shouldn't. The uh, the single for Mickey Dolan's Demo SL is out now. You can get it on Amazon or wherever fine singles can be downloaded from, I, iTunes and such. And uh, you can get that now and, of course, order the hard copy, also available in CD and vinyl as well. You're not going to want to miss this, folks. No, and I hope I hope to uh, to be able to come back onto Sills and talk some more about um, Demo Cell and um, the bonus tracks we have on there and so forth. Well, let's do that. Let's let's make a note to do that. We're going to do a dedicated Demo Cell special, and I look forward to that. I look forward to having you back. And I hope um, I hope Mark can make it too, perhaps because he, he again he did some amazing liner notes for that album. Fantastic. Mark, you're always welcome here. Uh, One thing I'm just going to, you know, you guys have heard about the multiverse now, right? It used to just be a comic book thing or maybe Star Trek with Mirror Mirror. Remember that episode? Anyway, uh, I'm just going to throw something out there. Just imagine that there was a time, let's say in 1978-ish, that the monkeys would have been brought back together. But because of the disco craze, 
the monkey's gone disco now think about it. We, we we could have had music <laughs> along you know can she do it like she dances and things like that and, but that could have happened but i think that if that would have happened i don't think that the resurgence in the 80s would have happened thoughts on that maybe not i mean i mean love light wasn't far from that was it and uh, to be or not to be to be or not to be no I mean, you could literally make a nice disco EP, and then if you throw a couple Nesmith tracks in there, like Dance and Cruising, you've got a dance record, you know what I mean? But uh, And, of course, Peter would get stuck on the outskirts of that. It's sad. But, uh, uh, but honestly, I think that if the Monkees would have gone disco, I, I don't think that it would have come back strong like it did in the 80s. Mark, what are your thoughts on that? I know it's a crazy thought, but that's what we're all about here. I'm thinking about the book Paperback Writer that that uh, kind of pontificated on a Beatles reunion opening up for Peter Frampton around the same year, 78. And uh, you, I don't know if you remember that book. It was, I forget who the writer was, but it was sort of, uh, you know, in, in a similar vein, kind of imagining what that would have been like. And so the Beatles are playing this huge stadium as the opening act for Frampton. And they're, of course, you know, doing a lot of their new material because they're promoting the new album. And, you know, George is doing his song Disco Jesus, which, of course, is going over terribly. And John, at one point, looks over the other guy and said, don't worry, the hits are coming up. <laughs> and so then they do like, oh, hold your hand. And, you know, they, they, they win the crowd over with the oldies but goodies. So I, I think you, to your point, Ken, uh, yeah, like had and there were numerous attempts including after DJBH. I mean, Mickey at one point, just to get the press interested, goes on the record saying that the monkeys are reuniting around 78. And, you know, the press kind of freaks out in, in a modest way. But of course, none of that ever ultimately came to pass. Although I, I did speak with, what's his name? The guy, Peter uh, Pat, Howarth, uh, Pat Howarth, is that, am I getting that right? Uh, he, he had actually signed, had, had Davey and Peter on uh, a retainer in 79 to do a reunion. And he got Mickey. And then the, the one they couldn't get, of course, was, was Nez, who was at that point on a yacht, I think, in Greece. And Nesmith refers to that in his book. Doesn't refer to the reunion possibility, but being on, on his yacht. But uh, that came very close. And uh, I think it was like 150 bucks a month or something like that to get the guys on retainer, or maybe it was wow. a week. I can, it was uh, it, it was not to be, but uh, yeah, I, I think in '86 it was so exciting because it had well, I mean, it was it had been 10 years since DJBH, but for me as a second generation fan, uh, that was the first time in in my fan lifetime. So, but that's for an, for another show. But honestly, had the monkeys either went disco or even Dolan's Jones' Boys and Heart be, becomes a force unto itself, right? If it, if it would have been a number one album and had like a really successful tour, I'm not sure that the desire in the 80s would have been there. It right. almost, it, it really, nostalgia always needs to have the absence of the thing that you want. Otherwise, it never becomes the thing that you want again. I mean, the question is, I mean, they might have been because if, if, you know, once the TV show reruns on MTV, people might forget about the disco album and uh, and just long for the old days and they might have, you know, reunited again. Who knows? And then we would have had that disco version of I Want to Be Free. That, yeah. that would, you know, could have. See, we missed out on all of that. And we missed out on the four simultaneous Dolan's Jones Voice and Heart solo, solo albums. albums. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're speaking my love language. Um, <laughs> but as far as songs on this, uh, you know, I know I, I, I'm going to let you guys know, but I don't think you could have had a better uh, comeback song for them than I remember the feeling. It keyed into that nostalgia that was going on at the 70s, everything from Happy Days, Grease, John and Ah. You know, remember, remember us from back then. That's really yeah. what was going on with that track. Of course, it, it's clever. It's clever. Yeah, it's very clever, and uh, they they had a lot of fun with that. There's a lot of great clips you can find on YouTube. Check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, of course, my least favorite track on it. You guys want to guess which one it is? Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. They're they're all it's Go on. it's, it's all the wall winners. Tell us. Along Tell us. came Jones. It's it's yeah. like it's it's a little too much, you know, from the people who brought you D.W. Washburn, you know, the one you didn't like. Well, here no, we go. I again. Mean, uh, this is something else you'll you'll read in Mark's liner notes. But there is some sort of producer, not a producer, but a, a record label executive somewhere who, um, who 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 I think he told Tommy Boyce that if you can if you can throw in a couple of old golden nuggets, you've always got a, a fighting chance of getting, you know, a hit. And that's how Teenage in Love and Along Came Jones came from, because Along Came Jones was a hit for the coasters uh, back in the back in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, Teenage in Love, uh, Tian and the Belmonts. Uh, so some of those sort of um, old school, old time hits were 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 there on purpose. Exactly. Because, um, because the DJs would have songs that they recognized when they looked down the, the back of the record sleeve. Very when they're true. eating a kelp burger in 2076. Ken, to your quest point, what Coaster's song would you have had them do instead? Oh, I don't know. I All I know is that there was never a song called Along Came Dolan's, and I think that's a damn shame. <laughs> it's it's better than Yakety Yak, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They could have done Splish Splash. <laughs> there is a connection of Poison Ivy with the Coaster's, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now that would have been good. That, I I would have preferred that. But then again, you've got Davy Jones in your band. You've got to do along came Jones. So what do I know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Poison Ivy was one of Peter's favorites because he played it when he and Davy in '86 were doing a uh, British just before the Australian before they toured Australia and uh, he played he broke all the rules on the show. It was called the Sounds of the '60s, the, the radio show, and he played Poison Ivy from '59 and then he played. Uh, Joni Mitchell, 1970, um, <laughs> Yellow Taxi. Although he justified that by saying there's a decade's 10 years and there's no year zero. So 70 was like year 10 of the 60s. He's kind of <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, folks, we want to encourage you out there, all of our Zilch listeners around the globe, to get a hold of Dolan's Jones' Boyce and Heart from the one, the only, 7A. You, you will not regret it. If this is your first purchase from 7A, you are in for a treat. It's going to be fantastic. We encourage, as always, we give these our highest ratings. There has not been one of your albums that came out that I went, eh. you know what I'm saying? It's it's all great stuff. So thank you so much for all you do. Well, thank you, Ken, and thank you for what you do. And if I can just mention, which I always do, it's important to mention that um, we really appreciate the support uh, of all the fans that buy our albums because um, being a small label um, it still is the case that uh, every release pays for the next release and we have put quite a lot of resources and money into uh, releasing this particular album Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart and um, 
we we really hope it sells because that would open the way to other projects um so thank you uh, thank you so much everybody for your support really appreciate it and you also in your your albums you 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 thank us and the zilch people everybody on the facebook page so guys he's paying attention to you so thank you so much Thank you so much. Well, we will see you all in the next episode of Zilch. I want to thank uh, Mark Kleiner and Glenn Gretlin for showing up again. And uh, as far as the the cracky uh, vocal thing, it was so worth to hear every golden nugget that came out of Mark's mouth that I can put up with a little cracking. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys for both coming today and being part of it. And we'll see you all on the next episode of Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. Say see ya, guys. See ya. See ya. You guys take good care. All right, brothers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Seriously, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll see you all. Bye-bye. See ya. And just like that, it was a podcast. This concludes our programming for today. Dolan's Jones Voice and Tark, thank you for listening. See you next album. This is Fortrack Speaking. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.